you can unlock more cash than you realize from your home's equity with a cash out refinance today. In the last year, average home values have gone up nearly 20%. And with Rocket Mortgage, you can unlock thousands in less than three weeks. But you've got to act right now before rates go up. So when you're looking to unlock the cash in your home, Rocket can. Call 8338-ROCKET today or go to rocketmortgage.com to get started. Rocket. Rates current as a 12-12-21. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. Anomalous consumer access. Not over 30 Call 800-490-1233 for disclosures and cost information. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you, as always, for joining, and I hope that you are going to be having a good week. I pray that for you. You know, it's tough this, these days. It, you know, we don't feel like ourselves sometimes, and so I want to talk about this idea of intimacy and what true intimacy really means, because we are doing this whole series on relationships, and so true intimacy is knowing someone and being known by them. So we're not talking about like I know the per- I know that person down the street. We're talking about really feeling known. And feeling known by someone is is being understood, being accepted. Uh they they have your back. You know, it's like yeah, you can mess up, but they are willing to forgive you that you are important to them and special to them. And so this is why we want to really work on our intimacy these days. Because we're kind of veering over into getting intimacy needs met in a lot of very unhealthy ways. And a lot of times that's with self-medicating behaviors. Some that may be watching too much TV, sleeping too much, eating too much, drinking too much, smoking, going to the casino, whatever it may be, gossiping. You know, it's all this attempt to make us feel like we're whole inside instead of recognizing that. The way to feel that is to be known by someone. And so we love that verse in the Bible where God says, you know, I am the God who sees you. And this is where, you know, it even happened to Adam and Eve. He saw them at their worst, and he still went forward with them. So this idea of being seen is very, very central to having relationships be healthy and work really well. So... 
this idea of being known and seen and still loved. So, you know, intimacy can hurt and harm like nothing else we have. I mean, we, we would probably rather get a gunshot wound than have the one that we are in love with break up with us. And so we want to protect and respect intimacy. And if each person is an adult and responsible for their own self-development and parenting, then acceptance and forgiveness, understanding, and deference is very possible in the relationship. But if not, the relationship will devolve into caretaking and attempts to change the person. And this will result in a lot of anger, hurt, disappointment, and it may even leave people feeling trapped and disillusioned. And so this may lead and can lead to depression, self-medicating behaviors, resentment, loneliness, and that oftentimes opens doors to addictions and infidelity. So we want to be very careful about this, and we want to understand that there are, pro- there are six main types of intimacy that we benefit from. And maybe in one relationship we get more of it there, we get less of it over here, but we need to be having these needs met at some level, and not just in the 25 percentile. So we have physical intimacy, and this is the closeness that we often see that's limited to partners and close family members. So physical intimacy is that being that, that idea that you are touched, that you are loved, that you are wanted, that you're important, that you, and it helps people feel seen when we touch them. And so we have to be very careful about the way we touch people because we want to make sure we're actually conveying the message intended. We also have emotional intimacy. And emotional intimacy means I feel deep emotions around you. I feel safe enough to feel feelings with you or to share my feelings or to say this is how I felt or this is what's going on with me. And then we have experiential intimacy. And that is having a shared experience. And so you, you know people that were in, you know, had watched the Twin Towers fall. You know, we had all these, these people were seeing it together. Now, they weren't able to sustain a relationship necessarily, but they'll always feel close to that person they were with when they had to experience that event. So experientially... We want to make sure that the experience that we're giving one another is a positive one. And if we're not able to do that, then we want to, we want to really vocalize that. We want to say, you know what, I, I'm in a really bad mood and it has nothing to do with you. And so I need to get my act together so that I can, you know, show up in our relationship in a healthy way. But right now I'm in such a bad mood, I got to get over myself. And so I don't, that in and of itself gives the person a good experience of me. Versus me, you know, acting as if I'm willing to hang out with them, but not conversing with them, not looking at them, doing things without them in order for them to get the message that I don't feel good being close to somebody right now. So we also have intellectual intimacy. And this means that we know things about people. And so, you know, your doctor has a lot of intellectual intimacy about you. Therapists, counselors, pastors, you know, coaches, any of these people may have a lot of knowledge about you. They may know all about your past. They may know, you know, I don't know, surgeries that you've had, things that you've tried to overcome, whatever that may be. So people can have intellectual 
intimacy, which means I'm knowing things about you that the general public probably doesn't. Or I'm sharing things with you that I wouldn't share with the general public. And then we have creative intimacy. And creative intimacy is when we together with someone do a creative endeavor. Maybe you partner with someone and and write a book. Maybe you build a boat. I don't know. Maybe you um, buy an animal, a pet together, and learn how to train that pet together. And so this is creative intimacy. We go and we, we redo our house or we, you know, do a painting class together, whatever that may be. That creativity part is we're trying something new or we're taking something and remaking it. And we're doing it together. And then we have spiritual intimacy. And spiritual intimacy typically is considered that idea of sharing a religion with someone. Actually, what spiritual intimacy is, is more about sharing who you are with someone and, and what your values are, what matters to you, what hurts you, what excites you. And so spiritual intimacy is that stuff that's kind of elusive. It also means sharing, you know, it, it, spiritual things together. So we want people to be involved in churches and have a spiritual intimacy with that group of people because what it does is it causes there to be much better closeness and care for our community. And so spiritual intimacy is also maybe sharing, you know, what you feel about God or how you came to know God if you don't want to know God. This type of stuff, that's where we look at, wow, we are sharing some spiritual things. So this comes down to also this idea of intimacy is this notion of covering. And what does it really mean to cover someone? And so this is what I want you to think about. To be or serve as a covering for someone. So sometimes we cover for people, right, until they get their act together. That's a lot of what we do in the therapy world. People come in, they undress emotionally, and we cover for them. So if I actually see them out in public, I don't say to the person I'm with, oh, you know what they talked to me about in the last session, right? So I'm going to really cover for them while they are working things out. And so think about the idea of covering when you go to your doctor's office. So you don't see everybody in the waiting room naked because they have to, you know, take their clothes off and put those little, you know, paper robes on. No, they wait until you get into the room, they shut the door, and they probably even leave you alone while you take your clothes off and put that little gown on. This is what we mean by covering. When people are exposing delicate parts of themselves, intimate parts of themselves, uh, areas that they're not sure about or that they're worried about. That's what we do when we cover. Now, covering does not mean letting somebody get away with something. Covering does not mean lying for someone. And this is why we want to consider that covering is an idea of protection. And, And it's concealing something for a time until it's safe to actually show it, if ever. And so this is where we, that's different than lying and it's different than hiding. 
It's actually saying, you know what, until I'm ready to show you this, I'm going to conceal it. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to show it yet. I don't want to talk about it yet. I don't want to expose it yet. And so these are healthy things and healthy ways that we can increase the intimacy in our relationships. And so when we think about healthy intimacy, it has some qualities about it that are the hallmark of healthy intimacy. And one of them is, it, you know, it really doesn't have to make sense to anyone but the people that you are sharing intimate things with. It only has to make sense to you guys. And the, the understanding that this person is more affected by you than anyone else. That's, that's intimacy. That if I don't call my husband back, he's going to feel it differently than if the person at the bank didn't call him back. It's going to mean something. And acceptance is a part of healthy intimacy. And so acceptance doesn't mean that I accept the behavior, per se. I do accept the person, just as they are, and hoping that they are working toward change. So acceptance means very important things in relationships to humans. And then we're going to talk about forgiveness. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about intimacy and what it really means. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking today about intimacy and what that really is. So true intimacy is knowing someone and being known by them. And what does that actually mean? Well, truly being known by someone always takes time. Always takes time. And humans deserve time. They need time. And I want you to think about this idea of intimacy. It's the most powerful, healing, exciting, and fulfilling experience that humans can ever have. It's this idea of being known and seen. But it also can hurt a lot if it's done inappropriately. So when we talked about this in the last segment, we talked about six types of intimacy. And that's physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, experiential intimacy, intellectual intimacy, creative intimacy, and spiritual intimacy. So what that means is that intimacy, in order for intimacy to be safe, there must be covering. So what is covering? Well, covering is like when we talked in the first segment of the show, the same thing that doctors do for you. When you come into their, you know, into the office, you sit in the waiting room fully clothed, then you go into the room, they leave the room, you take your clothes off and put that little, you know, paper gown on. And that's covering. Nobody would walk out of the doctor's office or go to Saxis Avenue and try to buy one of those, those, you know, paper gowns. That's not what they're for. So when we think about covering, it's, it's to give warmth, protection, concealment. It, it, it's like the pot that has a lid on it. It's used to protect and to conceal. So healthy, healthy intimacy qualities, <clears throat> like we talked about in the first segment, is it doesn't really have to make sense to anybody but you guys. So whatever your intimacy looks like, however much or little you share, however much or little time you spend together, 
if you if you combine your money, whatever it is, it only has to make sense to you. And so you have to also understand that this person that you have intimacy with is going to be more affected by you than anyone else on the planet. This is why we want to be careful. We want to be kind. We want to be loving. We don't want to be sloppy in our way of relating because this person is highly affected by us. And then we think about this idea of forgiveness. See, in very intimate relationships, forgiveness is a must. So forgiveness truly heals, but really only if there's repentance. And so you need to take that into consideration. You can have someone forgive you, and they may forgive you if you don't repent about it at all, but they're not going to be having emotional intimacy with you any longer, or shouldn't. See, they may forgive you at least for their sake so that they can be free. But that doesn't mean that the relationship is fixed. It's only fixed if whatever it was that you did that caused them to have to forgive something is repented of and restored. And if you can't do that, then you have to recognize that you may have a value difference with whoever it is that you're trying to have intimacy with. And it's impossible to have intimacy if you don't have the same value system. You can like the person. You can admire them. But you can't talk about deep and meaningful things because you're coming from a completely different direction and space than they are. So how about this? This is a big one when it comes to intimacy, the need for self-care. This is huge. No one wants to take care of a grown-up child. Adult children are not attractive. This is why babies and pets are so cute, right? They're babies. So don't be acting like a baby in a big adult body and expecting people to actually be attracted to you. It's not going to happen. And if it does, you're going to have some problems in that relationship because the person that would be attracted to an adult baby is probably not a very healthy person and has a lot of control issues if you'd really like to know the truth. So this is super important. So let's think about this. When we have healthy intimacy... What happens if we're asked to, to try something new? All right, because they want to experiment or they've heard about it and they think it's going to be great. And maybe you're one of those people that always says no before you say yes, <laughs> right? <laughs> Instead of the people that say yes before they say no. I mean, there's, there's problems with both of those. And so I want you to think about this. What, well, what if they're asking you to do something new when it, and it comes to sex, okay? And you immediately say, no way, no, what are you thinking? Well, what I want you to consider is, How many times do we try new things? We try a new church. We try a new store. We try a new car. We try new clothes. We try different makeup. We try different hair things. You know, we try all kinds of it. We try different food. And so we have the right to try it and should try it in a way to honor the person in our relationship. It doesn't mean we are forced to like it, but we need to try. And we need to be able to say, you know, Okay, I tried. It didn't do anything for me. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. But you have more credibility in the relationship when you're at least willing to honor this person's desire to try something new. So think about this. People that have intimacy in their relationships, they always have each other's back. Now, what does that really mean? It means if I have your back, 
I'm not going to expose you publicly. That's what it means. I'm not going to throw you under the bus in front of everybody. And it doesn't mean I'm going to lie. What it means is, even if we're in a bad place, I still have your back. I'm not going to use the public arena to shame you or try to get people to agree with me. I'm going to recognize that as an adult, if I don't like something you're doing, I need to talk to you about it one adult to another, not shaming them in public. So make sure that the closer the relationship is, the closer you are to that person, the more gentle you need to be, the more kind you need to be, and the more accepting you need to be. Be their cheerleader. Practice deep and oftentimes giving forgiveness. Confront people in a healthy manner. Spend time together. That's imperative if you want to have real good emotional, physical, intellectual, social intimacy. Share insights with one another. Share goals. You want to make sure you're sharing goals and doing things together. And always be practicing acceptance. True acceptance. You can judge the behavior, but I don't want you to judge the person. That person is intricately made. There's no way we can know all the reasons they talk themselves in or out of something. It doesn't mean we have, to, we have to like it. So think about these things. Think about this idea of knowing that the person that you are with is more affected by you than anyone else. That you have great power in a lot of ways. And that you can harm them and you can hurt them much easier than the general public. And so we want to also focus on this idea of forgiveness because this truly heals, but there really is the only way to truly have forgiveness that heals the relationship. If there's, if there's acceptance of the offense, the person owns the offense and repents from the behavior. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about relationships and intimacy. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Make sure you check out uh, my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. We have lots of things for you available. You can also give, you know, if you let us give us the email address you have, we can send you study guides that go along with each of the shows and all the different things that we're doing. And so I appreciate so much you listening. And we're talking about this idea of intimacy and what is truly intimacy. And intimacy is knowing someone and being known by them. So when you think about the fact that God loves us completely, and he also knows everything about us, and he knows things about us that we don't even know about ourselves, he knows about the future we don't know about, he remembers everything in the past, and he's still with us in present time. So, you know, when we think about relationships, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I don't think it seems like 
there's any amount of education that can prepare me for everything <laughs> with life and humans. You know, it is really complicated. And so I want you to have like some practical information of how to manage human relationships. And so this is truly about intimacy. The more that you know, the more, you know, little tools in your toolbox you have and the more you can tweak things to make it fit just right for you and whoever it is that you are, are in relationship with. And so I want you to think about this idea of how we make sure that relationships are actually very complex versus complicated. So I'm sure you kind of are, know what I mean when I'm talking about this difference. I've had some very complicated relationships. And those relationships are very wearisome. They're, they're tiresome. They're, uh, they're very deflating. They can cause you to feel like you don't even know how to do relationships because nothing that you, you do is right. Nothing seems to be able to be fixed. Everything seems to be another hurdle to jump through. And what you thought you had resolved is now completely undone and wide open all over again. So we want to be very careful about knowing the difference between complexity, which humans are very complex. The more dysfunctional a human becomes, the more complicated they become. So a lot of what I do in my office every day is I help to make things that seem very complicated more complex so that it fits better, that it's more efficient, so I help remove all the complicated stuff, like the, the wrong thinking or the unrealistic expectations or the judgments they may have or the fears, the insecurities, the past mistakes. Those are, all, those are all things that make everything complicated and mess up our feelings and our way of thinking and acting. So we want to have appropriate expectations. And this is things like keeping good boundaries. I want to have that expectation on myself. And I want the other person to practice good boundaries as well so that we can truly have intimacy. And I need to respect basic gender differences. It's absurd to think that men and women are the same, the same way I would never think that a cat and a dog are the same. So we may have some similarities. <clears throat> Cats and dogs have some similarities. We're all mammals, so we have similarities to all the mammals in, on the planet, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're the same. And so even if you're the same breed as a person, you're still complex and you're still unique. So we want to respect differences and not judge them automatically. We want to find out, now that's odd, or I would never do that, or I wouldn't think that way, or I would never want to do that. I wonder why. What's going on with that person? What's behind all of that? So get curious about the people that you love and want intimacy with. It helps us really to understand their gender better, their temperament, their personality. And then living peacefully in a world that demands our immediate attention all the time. We have to practice those boundaries so that we can make sure that we are not letting time tell us how fast or slow we should go that we are making sure that our moment is protected. So we're coming up on a break again. And what we're going to move into is one of the things that probably ruins intimacy more than anything. 
the very thing that makes intimacy the most difficult and that really, really can mess up our lives. And you want to know what that is? Emotional baggage. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but my husband, he can pack for a weekend, and he has just one bag that he's going to take on the plane so he doesn't even have to check it. Me, I kind of struggle. I, get, I might complicate things because I just can't figure out exactly what I want to bring and what I want to leave at home. And so I want to bring everything. So we're going to work on that, this idea of emotional baggage. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm your host, Cynthia Hyatt. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and that is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. It's like phonetically perfect, so that's the easiest way to remember it. And we really have a lot of good social media out there for you. And every Friday at 11 a.m., I do an Instagram Live, like a little short version of a lot of what we're doing throughout the week. So I really encourage you to take advantage of all the things that my assistants make available for you. They do so many great things. We have Amy. She does all kinds of study guides. You know, I have Michelle. I have Becca. They do so many things on Instagram and create these great, like, just email things that they send to you about how to really integrate the show. And so we have lots of things that are going on that I want you to make sure you take advantage of. And so we were talking about this idea, like what, what is the thing that really messes up emotional intimacy or any type of in- intimacy more than anything? And that would be baggage. And I was giving you the example that, you know, I have a hard time always deciding what I want to take and what I should leave at home when I go on a trip. And my husband is always laughing because I have all these bags. And he goes, do you need all those? And what I say to him is, well, I don't know. That's why I'm bringing them all, right? <laughs> so he, he just walks out of the house with a money clip and his, you know, his watch and phone. So this is where you want to think about emotional baggage, though. This usually occurs from trauma. So this is that leftover effect of a very painful occurrence in which we attribute certain meaning and we actually create a story about it. And then it's a wound and then the scar still is there after the wound kind of heals, but even the scar isn't very, isn't very healthy. And so the emotional baggage is the unresolved wound, which is ready to be opened, just like your luggage is stuffed and all you have to do is one little click and it flies open, right? So a trigger is similar to a reflex response. So it's like the stove is hot and so... You accidentally touch it with your finger and your, your mind, your brain, tells your hand to jerk it away immediately. You don't even have to think about it. It just does it automatically. And so something like, so a, an emotional trigger is I must have touched it in the past and know that there's pain. And so it can be anything from an emotional interaction. It can be a smell, a gesture, a place, a word choice, the tone of voice. There can be so many things that trigger that piece of luggage from flying open and everything that you stuffed in there came out. 
And so it can be a trigger which causes me to reflex, to withdraw or to avoid or shut down. Or maybe I get aggressive. Maybe I just, you know, like fall into myself. And so I become like vacant. So trauma responses are not necessarily rational or logical to the present situation. Sometimes they're very difficult to understand why they even occurred. But these kinds of things, this emotional baggage, this triggering, the avoidance, that tiptoeing around, what, why, why this is so important to address is because it directly affects your intimacy with someone. It causes you not to be able to relax with one another because you're so afraid that there may be landmines that you're going to step on. So owning your own triggers, owning your own emotional baggage is very, very important. And so I want you to think about that this idea that because it's not a rational or logical issue, the triggering action, that's what reminds me or tells me this is something in my past. I can't attribute it necessarily to the person I'm with. Because you and I both know, I would never purposefully trigger somebody. What a mess, right? I don't want a bunch of emotional baggage flying out that they had all contained. I would never want to trigger somebody. So we have to recognize that if we get triggered, we probably need to address it. And so the present situation, the person, the place, right, if we don't address that emotional trigger, becomes more emotional damage. And so now that situation or that person or that place now feels dangerous. And we attribute all those scared, hurt feelings to that place or that event or that person. And so now all of a sudden, everything goes into that illegal, immoral column. We're just scared. And so something very bad is happening or going to happen. That's how we feel. Or somehow I'm feeling like my life is in jeopardy. And what happens is I've now moved from the prefrontal lobe, you know, that part behind your, your uh, forehead, to the fight, flight, or freeze part of your brain. And now I'm seeing everything as dangerous. And I'm no longer in the adult part of my brain. I'm now in the adolescent or child part of my brain which is all about experience. It has no logic. It is all experiential. And it's purely survival and very imaginative. So the right side of the brain doesn't do higher level abstract problem solving. The right hemisphere of the brain doesn't really think. It only acts. So then it thinks after it acts. So when you're in that side of your brain, you're, you're kind of in the more... Um, prehistoric part of you is what we would say. And it's time is very different, the ability to delay anything. You can't suspend things very well because that, that part of your brain is very in the moment. And it doesn't really necessarily register or consider what's going to happen in the future if I continue in the way I'm going. And so it's more about surviving than thriving. And so that what it means is that what worked, you know, yesterday or made ye sense yesterday may not be very different to today, or it may be very different than today. And this is why I want you to think about this idea of context and where you're at in your brain. This is why sex is so powerful. It, it, it is purely in the moment, which is why time can feel elusive. 
10 minutes can feel like two hours, or two hours can feel like 10 minutes, right? And it's difficult to control ourselves because it's a more primitive part of our brain. This is why it can feel so destabilizing. So we have to be very careful about this idea of being transparent with people and really having intimacy because these are very sensitive areas in our lives. And they can have a lot of what we call loading. And a lot of times we don't even know we're locked and loaded until we actually shoot someone, right? So we have to be very, very careful when it comes to this. So we want to do everything we can to check our baggage, right? And this may mean seeing a therapist, a psychiatrist, a, you know, a life coach, a consultant, a pastor, Maybe having um, just a, um, a friend be, you know, like your, 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 um, <clears throat> your, side, your, your person that comes alongside you or something. You have to really consider what it is that you need. So emotional baggage really occurs when we experience hurt within the relationship and that hurt is not resolved or it's not dealt with. And then we internalize all those negative feelings and we develop fears that we may not be aware of. So all of a sudden, we don't want to go into the restaurant, and we don't know why. Maybe, we, maybe we're in the restaurant, and somebody asks us to try some food, and we're too afraid to do it. Because maybe in a, in a previous time, we actually experimented some, with some food, and we had food poisoning. So you want to recognize and not be angry with yourself if you have a trigger. If all of a sudden you feel a little destabilized, all of a sudden you feel like, you know, I, I don't think I want to be here. I want to go home. Or you lash out at people. Or maybe you just shut down in front of everyone. This is where you want to say to yourself, hey, I need to check in with myself and find out what the heck is going on. Maybe something triggered me. Maybe it was just a smell. Maybe it was, it was something I saw. Maybe it was something I heard. And so if we avoid it and run away from it, and we refuse to embrace and press into that trigger, we actually weaken and cripple ourselves. It might feel like we're being protective, but actually what we're doing is, is injuring ourselves. And what happens is then healing is even more difficult to do. And so when we heal, the worst thing that we could do is protect the injury as if it's current. See, this is a very important awareness for some of us. That if I heal from that injury, if let's say, for example, uh, somebody cheated on you in a relationship and you did some therapy and, and really healed from it and forgave the person, and then what happens is someone asks you on a date and you act as if you had no healing. Like you, you, you go back to that old day when, wow, I, I can't do this. I can't trust this person. I'm not, I'm not even going to take a risk. And the person hasn't done anything. And so we project it onto someone that has nothing to do with the history that we have. And so we don't want to coddle and to weaken what God has healed. We simply want to make sure that our pain is always for gain. And I love that saying. If I turn all of my pain into a gain, my life is better for it, and everybody in it is better. I love better. I work better. I think better. I'm a safer person. 
if I make sure that the pain I went through ended up gaining me health, more introspection, more depth, more patience, more kindness. And so God wants to heal what's happened to us. But we also have to be willing to go where he's going. And if he's going where there is pain, we have to trust him. See, we always want to relieve unnecessary pain. However, sometimes this means increasing the pain. You know, if you've ever had like, like a little blister on your foot, it hurts to touch, but it also hurts if you have to pop it, right? But then once you do, the pressure goes away and you feel so much better. So this is the emotional work that God wants to do within us. When it comes to intimacy, he wants us to be healed people that are able to share our hearts, our minds, our soul, our bodies with other people. And to be able to hug people well. And to be able to not, if they're uncomfortable, and not get offended. So this, this emotional work that God does with us helps us to have freedom in relationships so that we're not walking around avoiding a bunch of landmines. So when you understand triggers and how to recognize them and what to do with them, you become a stronger person. You become a safer person. You're going to be much more confident, much more able to take on risks, to try new things, because you won't be so afraid of pain. Now, I want you to respect pain. We have some people that you know, harm themselves or get harmed or, I don't know, maybe sprain their ankle and they just think that they don't need any time and so they just keep walking on it and it eventually breaks. So we have to, we have to be smart about dealing with pain and we have to know our own limits and we have to know why we are, are willing to experience the pain. If it's for our good, that, that's, that's the best. But if it's just to rehash it and the pain gets deeper and deeper and it it causes you to feel weaker and weaker, that's not dealing with any emotional baggage. That's simply rehashing it over and over again and it gets messier every time you try to put it back in, in in the piece of luggage. So let's think about this. What do you do when you get triggered? You take a breath. You relax your body. You recognize that this is information your brain is giving you and an opportunity for you to heal. So thank you so much for listening today. And I want you to be the healthiest version of you. I want you to enjoy life and have very deep intimacy with humans, to be known and know them well. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com 
or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. You can unlock more cash than you realize from your home's equity with a cash-out refinance today. In the last year, average home values have gone up nearly 20%. And with Rocket Mortgage, you could unlock thousands in less than three weeks. But you've got to act right now before rates go up. So when you're looking to unlock the cash in your home, Rocket can. Call 8338-ROCKET today or go to rocketmortgage.com to get started. Rocket. Rates current as a 12-12-21. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states and MLS consumeraccess.org. Number 3030. Call 800-490-1233 for disclosures and cost information.